Well, Merry Christmas. Are you guys ready? All right. Uh, we're in a series called It's a Wonderful Life. And how many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay. Do you notice how many people haven't seen this? Now, for those of you that have seen It's a Wonderful Life, do you recommend this movie? Okay, it is black and white, kids, but you need to watch this movie. It's a classic. It's really, really good. I don't care. Give it, just give it, give it 20 minutes. I guarantee you it, you'll get wrapped up in it. Uh, it's a story about a guy who gets really depressed to the point that he wants to kill himself because he just feels like uh, he doesn't have any blessings in his life. And what happens in the story is he is guided to look at all of the blessings that he does have. And at the end of the movie, instead of being suicidal, he is now suddenly grateful for all the good things that he has. It's a really, really good story about gratefulness. It's a story about perspective. It's a story about how to find joy. And I would encourage you to go watch it because... I don't know about you guys, the holidays are a time that can be very polarizing for people. Like some, some look forward to the holidays, uh, but then there's others that don't. And the reason for that, guys, honestly, for, for some of us, we come from situations when we go see our family, it's not a joyous occasion. Because we are forced to relive sometimes memories that are very unpleasant. Sometimes we're just reminded of the brokenness that's present in our families when we get together and we start learning about what's going on in the lives of our loved ones. And instead of being full of joy, man, it can really kind of take our joy away because we want things to be different. We want, them, we, want, we want good things for people, right? And when we see people doing things that are hurting themselves or involved in things that are bad, it, it, it's a joy stealer. But Christmas... Christmas and the story of the birth of Jesus, when you look at in Scripture, guys, it is a story that is full of joy. And God wants our lives to be full of joy. The time surrounding Jesus' birth was full of joy. Why? Because the people saw that God was doing something special in their lifetimes and they were going to get to participate in us. Guys, have you ever noticed how much joy is in the Christmas story? If you start reading uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John surrounding the time uh, of Jesus, which by the way, guys, the Christmas holiday, we just kind of made up. Uh, we don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but if you choose to celebrate it at Christmas, that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's some people in the world, believe it or not, that take issue with that because it's not directly, you know, December 25th, it's not mentioned in the Bible, but it's okay to, to choose this time to celebrate his birth. Um, when you start reading about his birth in the Bible, you're going to see this theme. Like the, the, the story of Jesus being born starts out actually with uh, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. An angel comes and, and predicts that John the Baptist is going to be born to them. And whenever he's foretelling the birth, he says he will be a joy to you. That's what the angel says about John the Baptist. When cousins Elizabeth and Mary are visiting each other, the unborn baby, John the Baptist, within Elizabeth's womb, leaps for joy in the womb, right? Before Jesus even comes, John the Baptist is throwing a party, right? Uh, Elizabeth's neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy by giving her a baby. And in the Gospel of Luke, it says they shared her joy. So here the celebration has taken place. When the angel Gabriel appears to Mary with the announcement 
uh, that Jesus is going to come, his first words to her are rejoice, which means literally be full of joy, Mary. That's what the angel comes. Then in the text, uh, right after Mary finds out she's going to give birth to Jesus, she sings a song of praise to God. And in her song, she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because of what he's doing. And then when the angels appear to the shepherds in the field to tell them that the Messiah is being born, the, the, the angels' words to the shepherds out in the field about the birth of Jesus is, don't be afraid, we bring you good news of great joy. And so you've got this theme of joy that's present surrounding the birth of Jesus. And there's over 400 references in the Bible to joy. It's a major theme in the Bible. God wants you to have joy. He wants your life to be full of joy. But honestly, we are confused sometimes about what joy is. Some people confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is fleeting, okay? Joy is not. Happiness can come and go. Joy, properly understood, is a state of being. Even in the midst of rough circumstances, you can still hold on to your joy. Even when you might feel sad or are dealing with grief, you can still hold on to joy because it is a choice. And it is a choice that is rooted in faith. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if you know you're going to win at the end of the day, you can put up with the junk in the middle, right? And joy is rooted in an understanding that Jesus is going to give us victory. When you know the story is going to end in victory, you can put up with the junk in between. And that's what joy is. It is a choice to put faith in Jesus. Guys, Jesus, the big deal here, the reason it was so joyous, Corey mentioned in, in, the, in, the, in the intro, the good news is that Jesus saves us from our sins. Uh, that's part of it, okay? The good news and what was understood by the people talking about the birth of Jesus, the good news is that Jesus is king. That's the good news. Jesus is not just king. He is the cosmic king. He is the king of everything. He is the king that has power over life and death. He has power over sin. He has power over everything bad in this world that could knock you down and make you feel like you just don't want to deal with it anymore. Jesus is bigger than that. And so when you put your faith in Jesus as the king, guys, he's going to win. When you join team Jesus, you join the winning team. When you choose to put your faith in King Jesus, you know you're going to be all right in the end. So if life throws you a curveball, between now and going to see him, you can still maintain your joy because you know how the story's going to end. It's a choice. It's a state of being. It's related to gladness and happiness, but really it's more than that. It's one of the first fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Joy is evidence that you're a disciple. If you don't have any joy in your life, you need to rethink what's going on in your life, what your perspective is. Where are you putting your faith? What are you looking for? It's connected to victory. And if joy is such a dominating theme in the Bible, and it's such an important concept, why is joy so lacking in our world today? You ever think about that? If joy is so important, why is it so lacking? What have we not understood 
What are we missing that causes us to miss joy? Today, we're going to look at just some snapshots from the Christmas story, and we're going to focus on this theme of joy. And we're going to try to be practical with this, okay? We want to come away, how can I maintain this joy? Well, you've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's going to help us uh, follow along a little bit today. Um, The first point here is I have the opportunity to find joy in Jesus because in him, number one, I am loved and not alone. Number one, I am loved and not alone. And the holidays can feel very lonely, honestly, for a lot of people, uh, even in the midst of being around a group of people. If we feel isolated, if we feel like people don't really know what's going on with us, if we're hiding things, if we're living a double life, uh, we can just be reminded of that in the midst of people. Um, Some may struggle with just feeling loved. Some struggle with feeling like they're important or they have anything to give, right? Um, God says it doesn't have to be that way. You know, the truth is God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He, he wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to you and he wants to give you joy. And it's the same in the Christmas story here. Look at Luke 1.28. It says the angel went to her. This is talking about when the angel appeared to Mary. Okay, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is, what's that word? With you. The Lord is with you. Now this concept of God being with is, is something that's very, very, very important because it was true for Mary, but guys, it is also true for us. There is never... Uh, a, a distance you can run to get away from God. He is with you. Now, we can push him away relationally because God doesn't want that. He wants to be near to you. He wants to be with you. And here, life is about to get interesting for Mary. It's about to get interesting for Joseph. There's going to be some crazy stuff that happens moving forward. But the angel, Gabriel, wants Mary to know that God is with her. He's with her. He's present. He's present. Greater than that, guys, Jesus came into the world. We call this in theological terms the doctrine of the incarnation. He came into his own creation in order to be with humanity. Okay? So whenever we read John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The whole idea is that God loves you so much, he made himself a human being, he came into the world, he died on the cross for our sins. He said, anybody that will put their faith in me, I'm going to count my righteousness to them. I'm going to take their death onto myself. I'm going to give them my life. I'm going to take my light And give that to them. I'm going to take their darkness. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to take it out back and whip it. He does that. But he came into the world so that we could put a face. A face with the name. So that we could see him. And guys, he can be present in your life today. It's just a matter of, of, do I want God in my life? Do I really want him in my life or not? It's up to us. And he really, really wants us to make the choice to love him, and to put him first. Jesus was asked one time what the greatest commandment in the whole Bible was, 
And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Guys, that is just a choice. God has already made the decision to love you. He's made the decision to love you. He proves it to us by what he did in coming into the world and dying on the cross for our sins. Every time we look at the cross, guys, every time we take communion, that's to be a reminder that this is how much God loves me. He was willing to make himself a person, come into the world, and die on the cross for my sins simply because he knows my propensity to doubt how committed he is to me. The cross is God with you. The cross is God for you. The cross is God loves you. I'm going to pray, and we're going to take communion, and then we're going to move forward with the lesson. Let me pray. <clears throat> God, as we take the bread this morning that represents your broken body, God, as we take the blood that represents your, or excuse me, as we take the juice that represents your spilled blood, help us to remember that this is how committed you are to us. You were willing to endure pain. You were willing to endure suffering. You were willing to hang on a cross and die so that my sins could be forgiven. You were willing to be with me, God, in times when I didn't really want to be with you. You were that committed. You were that committed. And you're that committed to each and every person in this room. God, as we take communion this morning, help us to be reminded of your love. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. God really wants us to find joy in the fact that he's deeply committed to us. And Jesus, in his wisdom, gave us communion every week so that we would be reminded of that. I, I really feel like, and I've stated this often, and I, I will state it again, God's love for you is the fuel that God wants to drive you through your week and through your life. And so that's why we have that weekly reminder of that in communion. It's super-duper important. Um, but man, God just, he knows we're forgetful. Like, we need that weekly reminder, right? Uh, secondly, through Jesus, I find grace, mercy, and ultimately salvation. This is another reason that we should be full of joy uh, when we think about Jesus coming into the world. In Luke 1.28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, this is the statement that he says to Mary. And that phrase, highly favored, right? Uh, there are some Catholic doctrines uh, that, that say that this was said to Mary because she was sinless. And so God highly favored her because she hadn't sinned. That's not true, okay? There's no indication in the Bible that anyone ever didn't sin except Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that, so we know Mary had sinned before. Um, she was highly favored because God loved her. And what's crazy is, God feels the same way about you and the same way about me that he felt about Mary. Now, that's hard for some of you to believe. Some of you in here are thinking, no, 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 that's for, that's for us. There's always the exception, right? Um, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that believe they have done too much bad to be loved by God. You ever struggle with that? Okay, I have. I've done some bad stuff. I've, I've uh, been really unfaithful in my life. When I was younger, I was all, all in for being anti-Jesus, anti-God. I grew up in a religious household. I completely rejected the faith of my parents. I thought they were Looney Tunes crazy, believing in this sky fairy that isn't there. Like, that's what I thought. This is all just crazy. And I hated religious people when I was younger. 
because of it. I just thought Christianity was nothing but hypocrisy. I thought the Bible would, would be better used as toilet paper than it would as something to guide my life. Like, I was super-duper rebellious when I was younger. Um, I felt like whenever I finally started to believe in God, maybe I had done too much bad for him to really love. Like, this was a struggle. And what I have learned is I am not special. I thought I was special in an especially bad way. Like, I've done more bad than this guy and this guy and this girl and this girl. He can't love me. No, he loves me like that. And he loves you like that. Mary wasn't highly favored because she was sinless. She was highly favored because God loves her. Because God is love. Like, that's it. It's that simple. And what's crazy is God refers to us as highly favored too in Ephesians um, 1.6. Same phraseology, it may be rendered a little bit different in your Bible, but it's the same Greek words that are used to describe anybody who is part of the church. And that's a choice, right, that we get to make. This isn't on your notes, but I want to throw it up on the screen. Um, In that same book where Paul uses this phrase to explain how God feels about those of us in the church, he, in chapter 3, goes on to say this, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's how God feels about you. This is general, like in general, how God feels about people. Mary wasn't highly favored simply because she was Mary and was going to give birth to Jesus. That same favor, that same grace, that same love, that same want of connection, that same want of blessing is how God feels about you too. And it's just mind-blowing. How can somebody have that much love to give? Notice in this text, it says to know this love that what? Surpasses knowledge. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that means you, we can't get it. Like it's so big, it's so great. God's one of connection, his one of blessing, his one of love for you is, is beyond what we can even understand. Do you guys get that's what the Bible says? He loves you so much, if you think you have grasped it, you have not. It's more. If you've imagined God's love is this big, no, no, it's way bigger, right? You can't get it. It's bigger than you can understand or wrap our little minds around. That's what Paul is trying to get them to understand. Now, there's people in this room right now who aren't believing what I'm saying. Guys, again, this is a choice. 
There's a series of choices involved in joy. If you believe that you are the exception to the rule that God loves everybody else and not you, of course you're not going to have joy because you're not believing what God says. But if you will take God at his word, if you will take Jesus at his word, if you will choose to quit defining reality for yourself and let God, who created reality, define it for you, you will learn that God loves you this much. More than I can understand. That's the source of joy. Because when I understand God, creator of all things, in charge of all things, cosmic king of the universe, loves me, he's on my team, he wants fellowship with me, what's this world going to throw at me that I can't handle with his help? Nothing. That's the foundation for joy. Again, guys, joy is rooted in victory. If you have the understanding that you're going to have victory when all is said and done, you can have joy. But if you feel like you're the exception to the rule and God loves everybody else, not really you, you're, you're undercutting the foundation of what could be a joyful life. You are highly favored. Look at what it says in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Before the creation of the world, he chose us through Christ to be holy and perfect in his presence. Because of his love, he had already decided to adopt us through Jesus Christ. Now, the us and our language here, that's talking about the church. You get to choose whether you're going to be part of God's church or not. He didn't create you to be a little robot where you just do what you're programmed to do. He created you in his image, which means in his sovereignty, God has given you the ability to make choices. You get to choose whether you're going to put God first or not. You get to choose whether you're going to obey him or not. You get to choose whether you're going to listen to him or not. Or you can choose the alternative. You can seek to be your own God. You can seek to define reality for yourself without God, right? You get to do all that. But one is a path to joy, real joy, a state of being, something nobody can take away. And the other is a path to brokenness. And you've got two paths before you. You've got two futures before you. And whether you choose to be faithful to God or not is really going to affect your future. And God wants you to trust him enough to choose him. To choose him. It says in John 3.17, God didn't send his son in the world to condemn it, but to save it. Guys, ultimately, God wants to have a relationship with you that leads to your salvation. Uh, some people have this view of God in mind. Where he's like the, the, you know, the nun in Blues Brothers, whacking people with the ruler. And that's, that's his role, is just to kind of walk around. And as a matter of fact, I bought uh, this little thing the other day that I thought it was funny. It was a, a, like a rendition of Jesus, and then it said above it, I saw that. And it's this little door hanger, like you can put it up. And so if you walk in my kitchen, you walk in and, and there's Jesus saying, I saw that, like he just did something bad and he's watching, just waiting to whack you. Uh, I found that funny because it's so not true. But it's, it's humorous. It's how a lot of people view God. Like, he's just watching, just waiting for you to mess up. And it, it's like, you know, he's got, the, he's got the newspaper rolled up and he's just going to thwack you as soon as you do something wrong. That's not what God is like. Matter of fact, it says in the Bible, he doesn't even like punishing the wicked. He wishes everybody would just repent and choose joy. Choose him. He wishes everybody would just choose it. But he created us in his image, and he lets us make the choice. And a lot of people make bad choices, and God's heart breaks 
when we harm ourselves and others through our bad choices. And guys, a lot of times, the bad choices that we make, we make because we've listened to that little voice in our head that says, did God really say that? Did he really say stay away from that? Did he really say not? Is it really that bad? I think God will understand. I think he'll understand. I can do that. And that is the way to undercut the joy in your life when you start making choices like that. God doesn't want you to make those choices. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to save you. He doesn't want you to have a life full of brokenness. He wants you to have a life full of joy. But it really is up to us and the choices we make. And it's natural for a person to feel awkward or ashamed about coming to God when they think about the bad things they've done. One of the reasons God chooses some of the characters that he chooses in the story of the Bible is because they were so messed up. Like if you read the story of the Bible, did you know that most of the Bible was either written by or about murderers? Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer. Paul was a murderer. Large swaths of the Bible are either written by them or about them. I've done a lot of bad things. I have never killed a person. Never done it. Done a lot of bad stuff. Never done that one. Matter of fact, I would see that one as worse. But God takes those that have done the worse and he uses them to write the Bible. You think you're bad? Okay, most of you in here, some of you might have murdered somebody, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, I do have some friends that are murderers. They've killed a lot. I'm not joking. They've killed a lot of people. But God's grace is for them too. That's crazy. And some of you are sitting there thinking, I had sex outside of marriage. God can't forgive me. You shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. But God has forgiven worse, okay? When you start looking at the people who God uses, God has forgiven worse than you. I guarantee you. You need to quit thinking that you're the exception. You need to quit thinking that you're special. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. What's a sinner? It's kind of a word we throw around in, in church. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. No, no. A sinner in the Bible means you have no fellowship with God. A sinner in the Bible was not a word that was thrown around flippantly. If you called somebody a sinner, it meant there's nothing good in you. You're going to hell for eternity. You're out. You have no, 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 Jesus didn't come for the people that didn't struggle. Jesus came to save sinners. That's what this says right here. You say, but I messed up. I've done bad things. Okay, good thing Jesus came for you, right? If you had it all together, you wouldn't need Jesus. But if you're broken, if you're battered, if you're messed up, you need Jesus, And the crazy thing is, he loves you just the way you are. You say, but I'm involved in really, really bad things. I've got bad habits. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. God loves you. He loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much 
to leave you the way you are. And so when you come into relationship with him, there's things in your life that God is going to want to help you get rid of. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you right now. He does. He really does. Despite your brokenness, despite your mess, he loves you. Guys, he loved the Apostle Paul. When Paul was going around throwing Christians in jail and murdering people, he loved him. And then he appeared to him on the Damascus Road. If you go read Acts 9, Jesus comes down, knocks Paul off his donkey and beats him up. He still hadn't repented, but he loved him. And then he turns Paul's life upside down. And Paul is the one who writes this later. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. It's like God sometimes chooses the biggest screw-ups to use them just to give everybody else hope. I think that's one of the reasons I'm staying on the stage. Because I feel like in terms of sin, I'm an extremist. Like, the stuff that I've done in my life is not normal level sin. I took it to the next level with a lot of the junk that I did when I was younger. And I feel like God has given me so much grace, partly because I can stand up here and and maybe just give other people hope. Not because I'm anything special, other than I was especially, especially bad. That's the same thing Paul says. It's like, I will one-up you in your sin. Right? A big part of maintaining joy is maintaining thankfulness for the things God has done for me. When I'm in touch with my brokenness, when I'm in touch with my mess, when I remember what God has brought me through, if I get a little bit of a bad attitude, but then just remember what life used to be like and what it could be like, it helps me with my attitude, right? It helps me with my joy. Thirdly, through Jesus, I am given purpose. I am given purpose. It says in Luke 1, 31, You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's the good news right there. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. So Mary is going to give birth to a son who's going to be responsible for everyone, uh, for saving everyone who repents from their sin. He's going to be this cosmic king that rules forever. One of the biggest questions that people have is, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? Uh, Rick Warren wrote that book, The Purpose Driven Life, uh, a few years ago, sold millions and millions of copies because it tackled the question that everybody's asking. What is the purpose of life? Right here in this passage, we get a glimpse into what the purpose of life is. Our purpose in life, guys, is to serve the king. That's our purpose in life. It's to honor the king. If Jesus is who the Bible says Jesus is, there is no greater call on your life than how you're going to relate to him. The most important question anybody can ask is, who is God? More specifically, is Jesus God? Who is Jesus? When you tackle that question, you're tackling the most important one. When you get the answer, Jesus is the king, he's in charge, Jesus is God, suddenly, what is the purpose of life? Well, it's to honor the king. 
That's it. The purpose of life is to honor the king. The way you can have the best life possible is to honor the king. It's to put God first. It's to put Jesus first. That's the way to have that full life. That's the way to have that joy that nobody can take away. It's to, it's to relate properly to him. God has given you a purpose, guys. When we live according to the purpose that God has given us, life is better. Why? Because the designer has a design for our lives. When we operate life according to his design, we are in harmony with the designer. What sin is, is is anything that gets out of step with the designer. That's all it is. Like if you want a really simple definition, when you sin, you are acting outside of God's design for your life. That's very simply what it is. When you are righteous, it just means you're walking in step with God's design for your life. And that is the purpose. It's for you to live a a life that honors him. That is the purpose of life. But you have a choice, don't you? Again, we said we're created in his image. He didn't make us little robots. We're not just programmed where he like winds us up and we're automatons or however you say that. They just kind of walk through life doing what we're programmed to do. No, he created you in his image. You get to make decisions. You get to make choices. God does not dictate to you whether you're going to live a good life or, or, or not, a life that honors him or not. He gives us the choice. Guys, we get to choose whether we're going to love God or not. We get to choose. It's a choice. God wants us to make the good choice. Now, even in this story, guys, Mary had a choice. Whenever the angel comes and and drops this news on her, she wasn't a little robot. Like, she could have made a poor choice to have a bad attitude and not do the stuff she was being called to do. The shepherds in the story, you know, when the angels appear to the shepherds, they had a choice. It says um, in Luke 2, When they had seen him, talking about the shepherds, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So they go and spread this word. They go and see this baby. Did they have to obey when those angels came and appeared to them and told them, hey, you need to go into town? And go? They didn't have to. They could have stayed in the field with their stinky sheep. But they didn't. What would have happened if they had disobeyed? What would have happened for these shepherds if they disobeyed the word from the angel that God sent to them is they would have missed out on this incredible experience that God had in store for them. And the same is true for you. When when people come and, and give you a message from the Lord or when you're looking in the Bible and you see that God is calling you to live a certain way or to refrain from certain things or to do certain things, when you make the decision to disobey, what you are missing out on often is really incredible blessings that God has in store for you, but you miss out on it because you disobey. The same was true for them, it's true for us today, but man, when you start to obey, you start to have these these opportunities and these blessings from the Lord that he just wants to lavish on you. He meant He loves you so much. He wants to give you so much. He's got so many blessings in store for you. 
I wish I could get you to understand what you're giving up when you choose rebellion over righteousness. You just don't know, especially you younger guys. You guys, you know, I made a lot of really boneheaded decisions when I was younger. And, uh, and I had sort of rationalized, yeah, I'll get my life together, but I'll do it like maybe when I'm like 25, right? I'm just going to have some fun for a few years. I had no idea the trouble that I was going to introduce into my life by making that decision. Why? Because I had that FOMO, fear of missing out. I want to go sow my wild oats. I want to go do all the drugs. I want to have all the experiences. You know, now you got idiots like Joe Rogan uh, talking about doing drugs all the time. And so you've got this whole generation of kids that, oh, I want to do mushrooms and go sit in a sweat lodge and all this idiotic stuff. You don't understand the brokenness you are introducing into your life when you start engaging in behavior like that and you think it's just going to be temporary, man, you don't know what you're doing to yourself. You're going to have some scars by the end of this because God didn't intend for you to give up the relationships and the purpose, all the things that you have to give up to be unfaithful. Guys, you don't understand. You think you're getting a blessing in the life that you're living unfaithfully, you don't understand you're drinking poison. I didn't understand that. And I got scars today, emotionally and relationally, because I was afraid I was going to miss out on something fun. And so I choose to live unfaithfully for years because I thought and rationalized, oh, I'll just fix my life later, right? I didn't see the hurt that I was going to render to myself and others. Guys, there are people that are dead today that I could have had an influence on for good. There are people that are in prison today that I helped get started on drugs. I may have children that I don't know about. And I don't say that to be funny. I say that because I'm serious. And that makes me sad There's hurt, but you don't have to do that. You can start making good decisions now. You can honor God now. You can trust what Jesus says about joy now. The only reason we ever chase after sin is because we're looking for joy. You guys get that? The only reason we do that is because we're looking for joy. We're just looking for it in the wrong places. Right? So how do I find joy in Jesus? We're presented with this opportunity. Um, whether we take advantage of the opportunity or not is up to us. Kind of like if you go to the store and buy a box of brownies. Uh, you can't just go set the box of brownies on your counter at home and poof, it's brownies. What do you have to do? Wouldn't that be cool, though? Uh, I'd buy more brownies if it worked that way. Um, no, you have to take the ingredients, you have to mix it up, you have to follow the directions, you do what it says. There's some stuff you have to do, right? And you got to follow the directions. It's the same for you in your life. God, holy God, who created everything, who designed the universe, who designed you, who knows the very hairs on your head, gives us instructions on how to have a joyful life. Have you bothered to read the instructions? If you read it, did you do what it said? Right? 
By the way, you can't read the brownie box instructions. Oh, it says to measure this and do this. And oh, and then just go do your own thing and get brownies. You have to follow the directions, right? It's not good enough just to read them. Like you're doing something. You have to do what it says. And it's the same with God. It's the same with the Bible. So how do I, what are the, what are the ingredients that I need here if I'm going to have joy? Well, let's wrap up with this, okay? I find joy in Jesus when, number one, I choose to trust God and not fear. I choose to trust God and not fear. In Luke 1.30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. That's one of the most often repeated commands in the Bible. It's a command to not be afraid. In Luke 2.10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news <coughs> that will cause great joy for all the people. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. This is a command, again, that's just repeated throughout the Bible. The reason we fall into unfaithfulness often is because we think we know better. We think we are afraid we're going to miss out on something. We are afraid that, that this is untrustworthy. We are afraid of, of something other than God. If we can make our fear be him, that's a good thing. But the fear of the Lord is the fear of becoming his enemy. That's a good thing. That'll keep your life on track. But when you start choosing to be afraid of other things, um, that's when we get off track. Trusting God is simply letting him be in charge when we don't understand or like the plan. That's what trusting God is. That is a choice. Trusting God is a choice. And uh, that's going to make a huge difference. If I can trust his leading, even when I can't see the way forward, that's, that's where I need to be. Uh, he knows, not me. Secondly, I find joy in Jesus when, number two, I choose to obey what I'm told. I choose to obey what I'm told. This is what we see as a theme uh, throughout all of these interactions in the Christmas story. In Luke 1.38, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I think one of the translations um, said something like, uh, I want your word to be fulfilled in my life, or may your word be fulfilled in me, I think is the way one of them said. I like that. Because if, if, if I can have that attitude when I'm like, Reading God's word, like, do you ever think like that? Like, God, just fulfill your word in me? That's, that's kind of the attitude that Mary has here. Fulfill your word in my life. I want to work in concert with you for this to be true. That is a good posture to take toward God. And uh, God's promises can be fulfilled in your life on a daily basis so long as we work in concert with him. And guys, it's impossible to have a right relationship with God if we just ignore what God says to do. Um, there are some of you in here this morning that are struggling in your relationship with God. I want to invite you to let God work in your life by obeying him. Do what he says. That's the way to have joy. That's the way to get right. Uh, obedience is not optional and it's not like something for the really mature. It's how you start a relationship with God. That's how you start. Uh, you can't just believe that he's up there and not do anything he says and be okay with him. 
That's a misunderstanding of Scripture. You have to obey, and it's not for spiritually mature. It is where you start. That's what repentance is. When the Bible says to repent, that means you turn away from sin and you turn to God. You turn away from the stuff God says to stay away from, and you, you turn on to the things God says to embrace. Uh, that's what repentance is. You can't live unrepentantly and have a relationship with God. You've got to obey him. You have to. It's also how you have joy. Um, a lot of times we miss the joy that God has for us and the life that God has for us just, just because we ignore his word. Um, in Luke 2... When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, this is back to the shepherds again, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Again, what would have happened if they chose to disobey or be unfaithful? Guys, they just would have missed out on incredible blessing and this incredible opportunity to have this incredible experience with God and the Messiah coming into the world. The same is true for you. If you willfully choose to ignore God's word, to ignore God's calling to you, uh, whether it be through the Bible or through spiritual leaders who are coaching you, if you just ignore that, you're going to miss out on opportunity that God has in store for you. You're going to miss out on blessing. You may think that you're finding blessing in whatever it is that you're into. You are shortchanging yourself. Because counterfeit blessing is no blessing at all. Either it's from the Lord or it's not. And if it's not from the Lord, it's a lie, and it's going to be an empty God for you that's going to lead to brokenness and hurt. And so you have to make a choice. Am I going to put my faith in the God of the Bible, or am I going to put my faith in my own opinion? Am I going to put my faith in something lesser? And it may even feel unnatural to obey God. Anybody in here ever feel unnatural to do what God says? Yes, it does, okay? If you didn't raise your hand, you're wrong. It does. But God doesn't, he doesn't call us to do things and and say, hey, if you're okay with this, do this. He just tells us what to do sometimes, and he leaves it up to us whether we're going to do it or not. Some of you in here don't like people. Anybody in here in the I don't like people camp? Go ahead and raise your hand. Just be loud and proud, okay? God says, if you're going to be faithful, you need to be in close relationship with other people. That's part of why we do the small group ministry here the way we do it at the crossings. That's why we do discipleship groups. We require those things for membership because in the United States, we are so relationally jacked up, we think we can be alone all the time and go home and watch Netflix and never talk to anybody and just read our Bible every once in a while and we're right with God. That's not even Christianity. That's something we just sort of made up. If you study the scriptures, guys, they were so close in the Bible, they were like family to the point that it was weird to the culture around them. They thought something was wrong with these Christians. We've got some people who don't want to come to small group or discipleship group because they don't think it's important. Guys, when you study the Bible, uh, that stuff is just, it's everywhere relationally when it's there. You're not going to be okay if you don't have other people in your life that are close. I'm not going to be okay, right? So there's these things that God calls us to, but for some of us that have maybe been wounded, uh, it feels really unnatural to be in relationship. So if it's uncomfortable and I have to make myself do it, 
does that just mean I just should give up? When it's something God is calling me to do? No. It doesn't matter. God doesn't say, hey, do this if you're comfortable. God just says do it. But then he leaves it up to us whether we're going to do it or not. Right? You get to make the decision. Are you going to push through the discomfort? And I'm just using that one example. There's a lot of examples. Some of us like to get high. Okay? Does that honor God? No. Is life less comfortable when I can't be stoned all the time? Maybe, right? It doesn't matter. It can feel really unnatural. And I'm somebody that struggled with addiction, okay? It feels really unnatural to give up an addiction. It feels like something's wrong. Like you get depressed. If you've, if you've been self-medicating and then you stop, suddenly you get depressed. Like something's missing in your life. It feels like something's wrong, right? There's chemical imbalances that occur in the brain when you've coached your brain and taught it to rely on these endorphins you've been releasing through whatever substance you've been pounding in there. Feels wrong. Okay, it feels wrong, but it's something God says to do. Do I not do what God says to do simply because it feels wrong? No. Okay, again, guys, God doesn't say do this if it's comfortable. He just says do it, and he leaves it up to us. We have to make the decision. What I'm trying to tell you, though, guys, is when you make the decision to honor God for real, not just when it's comfortable, not just when it's uh, something that, that you're okay with. If you will just obey God, whether you're comfortable with it or not, that's how you have a joy-filled life. If you're still in the camp where you say, I'll do it if I am comfortable with it, man, I'm glad Jesus didn't do that because I'm really sure he wasn't comfortable hanging on that cross. He sweat blood praying to God the Father before he went to that cross. He said, I don't want to do it, but you know what? If you want me to do it, I'll do it. And he did it. And that's the example that we have. It's not about my comfort. It's not about your comfort. It's about my obedience. It's about your obedience. God leaves it up to you. And he leaves it up to me. But if you want to have a joy-filled life, you have got to make the decision that you're going to get over this need of comfort and you're going to just be faithful. Don't let comfort be your God. Let God be God. That's how you have a joy-filled life. And we miss the joy that God has in store for us when we ignore God's word. I want to close with Joseph. Okay, Joseph. This guy, I like this guy. It says in uh, Matthew 1, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. This is talking about after he found out Mary was pregnant. Okay, I've got this woman that I just married. Uh, and then she gets pregnant, and it's not me. She's pregnant some other way. So he's just going to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home, excuse me, as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him 
and he took Mary home as his wife. Now, would this have been difficult for Joseph to obey? Would this have been uncomfortable for Joseph to obey? Yes. He would have had to deal with the whispers. Oh, she got knocked up by a soldier. Look, what a weak man. He's staying with her. He would have had to put up with that. All the rumors circulating. Guys, it, it probably would have been easier in a lot of ways for him just to walk away. But this angel appears, tells him the message from the Lord. Now Joseph still has a choice. He, he was not a little robot, guys. He could have made the choice to walk away. And what would he have missed out on if he chose unfaithfulness? He would have missed out on the opportunity to be the stepdad, the adopted father of the king of the universe. There's so much that we don't know that's not written in the Bible. When, when they wrote down the stories about Jesus uh, to put in the Bible, it was just the stuff that we needed to hear in order to understand who he was in terms of the Messiah. But man, you got to know there was a bunch of stuff that happened in the life of Joseph and Jesus as Joseph is teaching Jesus how to be a stonemason and a carpenter. And, and like, I just guarantee you there was some really cool stuff. That's one of the things when you get to heaven... I can't wait to hear all the stuff about Jesus that we don't know from the Bible that actually happened. And I just guarantee you there was a lot of special stuff with him and Joseph. I guarantee you there was. And Joseph would have missed out on all that if he had chosen to be unfaithful. And guys, it's the same with you. We're, we're dealing with a mixed crowd this morning. Some of you guys are Christians. Some of you aren't. Uh, some of you are in a healthy place in your life. Some of you aren't. Okay, that's just the nature of having a crowd. But God's promise is the same for everybody. If you will choose to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which means you're relationally connected to him and you're honoring, honoring him with your life, if you will choose to love your neighbor as yourself, which means you get the focus off you and you start putting it on others, if you will learn to be Christ-like, that is how you have the best life possible. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to have a great life, but he leaves the choice up to you, whether you're going to be faithful or not. The church is here to help you. That's all the church is for. Jesus set the church up because he knows we need a community. None of us are okay on our own. We need a family. We need people around us. The church is here to help us connect with God and one another. Uh, if you are here visiting today, I uh, would like to invite you to connect with us here at the Crossings. I mentioned we've got a small group ministry. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on. We would love for you to be a greater part of our church if you're visiting here today. I do want to invite everybody, member and guest alike, there's a communication card in your bulletin. I would like to invite everybody to pull that out right now. And we're going to close and give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, if there's anything we could pray for you, uh, if you would like more information about the church, if you are investigating a relationship with God and you have questions, uh, if you are dealing with a struggle or an issue and you need help, uh, we would love to talk with you and help you with that. I want you to know that you are in a safe place. If you're here today and you're struggling with something that you're ashamed of, I guarantee you there's 10 of us in here who've had the same struggle. If you're struggling with an addiction 
If you're struggling with a relationship, if you're struggling with some situation and you just need, you need some help, uh, indicate that on your card. Um, guys, we have a lot of different resources to help with a variety of different things. Uh, I would also like to invite you to, if you are interested in, in becoming a greater part of the crossings, indicate that you'd like more information about our small groups or information about Membership 101. Uh, we will have a class coming up at some point. Membership 101 is just a time where uh, you can kind of get a broad overview of the church and what we're all about. Uh, we also would love to, to talk with you about your relationship with God if you're investigating that. If you have questions about the Bible, if you have questions about uh, how to become a Christian, indicate on there that you'd like a personal Bible study, and uh, we will get somebody together with you. Uh, I'll let you look the card over. We've got a lot of other stuff I could talk about, a lot of good things. I just want you to know, though, you are in a safe place, and we would love to connect with you today. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song. That'll give you an opportunity to fill that card out. Then we'll sing one more song after that and pass some baskets, and you can drop your card in that basket, and then we will follow up with you. Uh, let me pray. God, thank you so much for being a God of joy. Uh, Father, there's so many things in life that can make us sad and make us grieve, but God, help us to remember joy is one of those things that even in the midst of grief, God, we can maintain joy. Help us to remember that joy is rooted in victory. When we know the way the story is going to end, God, we may be shaken, we may, we may have problems, but we know it's all going to be okay in the end so we can maintain joy despite circumstance. God, if we're struggling this morning with sin, if we're holding that card thinking about, should I say something or should I get help or should I just ignore this? God, help prompt us through your spirit. Push us over the edge to, to get the help and to make the changes we need to make. Help us understand, God, this is a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to faithfulness. Help us to develop habits that are going to be healthy for our spirits. Help us to develop relationships that are going to be healthy for our spirits, to lean into those. Help us to be a blessing to others because we have you in our life. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.